Okay, good evening. This is Chaim Bravender, and we're going to learn something about the parasha of Bamidbar, the first parasha in the book of Bamidbar. Uh, this uh, shiur is dedicated by Batya and Eddie Jacobs in honor of the marriage of their daughter Mivi to Gal Navon. Mazalto. Mazalto, of course. Uh, Bati and Eddie are close to my heart. I assure that, you know, what once their grandchildren start getting married, Bati and Eddie, the children are, are sort of fade out. And you, it's a different world. It's a different world. Bati, of course, is the daughter of Rabbi and Mrs. Riskin. Eddie Jacobs was a, a well-known special student that really defy my understanding. Here, for example, are three psukim, which are, uh, which are, I guess, you know, psukim that reflect this difficulty. Let's read them together. The psukim, here they are. Here they are. Eilat kudei b'nei Yisrael lebeit avotam. The counting. We count up all of b'nei Yisrael according to their families. All the count, all the ones that we counted, the armies, and they come up with a number. Six hundred thousand, three thousand, five That's the number we come up with. How do we come up with that number? We added together the number of people in each of the tribes, which is also in the in the Chumash previously. And the Leviim were not counted in this number. This is the way you're supposed to do it. You count the people who are able-bodied, uh, uh, who could go to to the um, to to the army, and those who, who are not going to go to the army. That's the Leviim. We assume Right, Bnei Yisrael did whatever Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu. What was that? To count. So they counted each tribe, and then after they finished counting each tribe, they put the number together and came up with the number six hundred thousand, three thousand, five hundred and fifty. Right. 
כן חנו לדגליהם וכן נעשו איש משלחותיו על בית אבותיו. So we're talking about the Jews in the desert on the way to Eretz Yisrael. Now they don't make it to Eretz Yisrael at that time. They don't make it because of the Chet HaMiragli, the spies. The spies went to spy out the land and they came back telling the Jews telling the Jews that uh, it wasn't as good as they as it might have been. They didn't think it was quite in line with the promise that they had been promised. In any event, in any event they didn't actually go into Eretz Yisrael at the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, which in history was probably the time that they should have been able to go in. So instead, in the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, perhaps in per, in in uh, in, uh, uh, in order to prepare, in order to know who you've got, or who's going to go into the army, or who's going to fight the fight in Eretz Canaan, they took account of all the people, shavit by shavit by shavit, tribe by tribe by tribe. And then after that, these three psukim that we just learned are the psukim, are the psukim that represent the calculator summation of all those, all those numbers. Now it's beyond me why we today have to know these numbers. I mean, what do we? the people learning the parashat ha what do we get from knowing how many people were in the tribe of Ruvain, how many people in the tribe of Shimon at that moment? And you know that moment by num moment, the number changes. The, the number changes all the time. You can't you know, have a permanent number for a census. Every census represents a particular moment. So if you, if you don't care, if you're counting millions of people and you offer by a couple, it doesn't really matter because what you're usually interested in is did it grow? Did it get better? Did it get bigger? That's why, why, why you have multiple counts. But why do we today, learning the Parshat HaShavua, have to know how many people left and we have to know it in two different ways, tribe by tribe, and cumulative. I mean, what exactly, how are we going to tell ourselves that this material in the Torah is important? I mean, it should be important. That, that, that's what Torah is. Torah is something important. I mean, this is something that Rashi taught us on every single Pasuk. Rashi taught us, and it wasn't only Rashi, but Rashi was the great teacher as far as we're concerned. Everybody learned Chumash with Rashi's commentary. And even though there are other commentaries who say things that are similar to what Rashi says, nevertheless, for us, it's Rashi. I mean, you have to forgive me for saying Chumash and Rashi. Chumash and Rashi, the way we learn the Chumash, and Rashi taught us that wherever we can, we have to point out the fact that the words of the Torah are significant. They're not there accidentally. They're not there with no particular reason. That's not how it is. That's not how it is. The words of the Torah are, are important. 
And yet here you have words of the Torah. It is very hard to say that they represent an important thing. Now this uh, uh, this problem, which I I think it's a problem because I would like I would like to imagine that the words of the Torah are as Rashi wanted them to be. That the words of the Torah are special. They reflect an idea. They 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 lead me on a path. They give me reason to feel that if I move in a certain direction, I'd be doing the right thing. Right thing is not an easy thing to grab onto. And yet, here is the Torah doing something which I think is unnecessary and, and just gives me a, a way of thinking about things which I is kind of mistaken. So we're going to leave this question for a few minutes. And we're going to look at the introduction of the Ramban to the book of Bamidbar, right? We have to get to the Ramban, switch the page. Uh, Ezra, can you switch to the Ramban? Thank you. No, before that. Ah, uh, oh, thank you so much. Now look, the Ramban. As you know, the Ramban had a theory in, in his commentary. His theory was that every book of the Torah was special. Every book of the Torah had a, had a theme. You might say that for the Ramban, that was the answer to the question. If the question is, how come the Torah has five books? Couldn't the Torah have one book? I mean, what difference does it make? Every week we go to shul, we learn one parsha. It doesn't make any difference to us. I mean, okay, at the end of every sefer, there's a minute to stand up and to say chazak, chazak, renit chazak. But, uh, but even if we didn't do that, if we didn't have the opportunity to do that, I think we'd be all right. So the Ramban comes along and says, no, you have to understand. The Ramban says, every book of the Torah is special. It has an overriding theme. There's something about it so, so that when you study the words of the book, you have to like keep in mind the overriding idea. And then every opportunity that you have to inject that idea into your understanding, that's a great thing. It's a great thing. So the Ramban says the first book of the Torah, which we call Breshit, is actually Sefer Yitzira. That's what the Ramban calls the book of creation. Book of creation. Now, what did the Ramban mean? So there are two possibilities, right? Either he meant, either he meant that it tells you the story of creation and other things, or the entire book is about creation. It's about creation because creation didn't end until the Jewish people, at least a kernel of the Jewish people, Yaakov and his 12 sons, were in place. All of that that comes before that, so you could say that the entire book of Breshit, entire book of Breshit, is Sefer Yitzirah, it's about the creation, because the creation needed the people who are going to accept the Torah in order for that creation to be fulfilled, to be fixed, to be finished, creation. The second book of the Torah, the Ramban says, well, that's 
Sefer HaGeulah, the book of redemption, which doesn't just mean going from Mitzrayim to Har Sinai, but it means changing radically, like genetically, the people who came to Mitzrayim into the people who are going to leave Mitzrayim. It's like a big difference. There's a Ramban, and you can check the Ramban, you'll see how he goes, how this theme is so important to him. So there's another book of the Torah called the Book of Shemot. The Book of Vayikra is a book of Torah Kohadim because the Book of Shemot, which is a book of Geula, of redemption, doesn't just tell us about Yitziat Mitzrayim, but tells about the Mishkan, that the first obligation that those people who, are, who were redeemed have is making a place for God in this world. I mean, that's called Mishkan, the tabernacle, making a place for God in this world. And so the book of Vayikra, which I think he calls Torah Kohanim, is, is the book that tells us how to, how to affect that, how to make the place of God in this world work, what the Korbanot are, when you could go into the Kodesh Kodeshim, the Holy of Holies, when you could do this kind of service or that kind of service. It's all the book of Ayikra. And we come to the book of Dvarim, Bamidbar. I'm sorry, the fourth book is the book of Bamidbar. And basically, or tells the story or stories of the years that B'nai Yisrael spent in the desert. It was their punishment for rejecting Eretz Yisrael by the Miragli. By the Miragli. So we come to a uh, look at interesting, uh, an interesting idea. It's the book that might not have been written. Bamidbar is the book that might not have been written because if the Jews hadn't accepted the obligation to go to Eretz Israel immediately, they would have done so. And all the stories of the book of the Bamidbar would not have been written quite in the way that they are written so that the book of Bamidbar, it can be called, can actually be called the book that might not have been written. I mean, I know that's a little strange. But I think that that's, uh, that's the case. So the Ramban, when he comes to speak about the book of Bamidbar as a book, I mean, he's got a bit of a problem. You got to talk about the book that might not have been written. And that book, you know, it's full of all kinds of information and, and the Ramban takes the trouble to classify it. So let's look at this introduction. The introduction of the Ramban, one second. Let me just see if I can do this. I guess I can't. As to annotate. As to annotate. All right. Oh, here are you about to annotate. Select request. Oh, here it is, here it is. Ooh. Okay, 
Achashi Beyer Torah Korbanot B'Sefer Ashlishi. After the the Torah told us all about Korbanot, the sacrifices, when you give them, how you give them, what they give them for, Hitchil Ata. The Ramban says, we now begin the Sader B'Sefer Hazeh. We begin to organize in this book. This book is the book of Bamidbar. We organize in the book of Bamidbar. All the mitzvot that are connected to the Oromoed. The Oromoed is the tent of meeting that was in the complex uh, that's called the Mishkan, the tabernacle, Oromoed. Okvar is here, Altum At Mikdashu Kidoshav. We've already learned a little bit about Tumah about the uncleanliness which prevents you from entering, which prevents you from entering the uh, the Beit HaMikdash or the Mishkan, Lahorot Ata Yagbil Et HaMishkan Midbar Ata, the Ramban had this theory. The words of the, of the Ramban is after he tells you about the certain rules that are connected, Yagbil, Yagbil is the word gvul, it'll make a, a limit, it'll present limits that will prevent you from going to the Mishkan when you are not worthy. And then he says, Kasher Yagbil Sinai, in the same manner that God said, B'nai Yisrael should not come close to Har Sinai, but only Moshe Rabbeinu will go up on Har Sinai, when God was there, Siva, right? Siva, the command at that time was yumat, a foreigner who comes close, who goes beyond that limit, beyond the boundary that has been established, he will die. Kasher Amar Sham. And it says there in the Pasuk, Yisakel. He will surely be stoned. Most people stoned don't live. So Sakol Yisakel Vitsiva Velo Yavo Ulir Ot Kivalata Kodesh. You can't see the Aron Kodesh as it's being covered up, except for the people who are supposed to do that. Umeitu Sham. So this is a theme that the Ramban comes back to again and again, right? That that there's a connection between the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and Har Sinai. And if you would say, how come we originally did not have a did not have a holiday commemorating Matan Torah? I mean, today we do it on Shabbos. We've spoken about that. But originally in the Torah, there is no holiday that celebrates that celebrates Matan Torah. You know, that's because uh, Matan Torah came away with B'nai Yisrael from Har Sinai. It wasn't something that happened in the past. It wasn't something that was left behind. It was with B'nai Yisrael all the time. They, they lived Matan Torah, B'tzivah, Ushmartim, and then, and so that's the first thing that you have in this parasha. You have mitzvot that connect me to the Mishkan, and and 
the Mishkan connected to Har Sinai. The primary mitzvah is that there are limits. I can only go so far. I can't go any further. That's how it was at Har Sinai. Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the mountain. Everybody else stayed in place. And here in the Mishkan, you have the same, the same thing. And then the Ramban says, Vitziva. You see that word, Vitziva? And further commanded, Ushmartemet Mishmeret HaKodesh, you have to watch over these, this Mishkan. You have to guide, guard it. Ve'et Mishmeret HaMizbeach, and you have to guard the altar, Kasher HaMasham, as it says in the Pasuk. Ve'gama Kohanim HaNigashim El Hashem, even the Kohanim, the priests who come closer than the people of Israel, Yitkadashu, they have to prepare themselves, they have to wash their hands and feet, they have to be ready to do the Avodah, the Beit HaMikdash, Vakohanim, Vehaam, right? That's the uh, reference to what happened on Yom Kippur, and so God commanded the Nei Yisrael about Mishmeret HaMishkan, watching over the Mishkan, Bikelav and its various uh, parts, Ech Yachanus Aviv, how they should camp around the Oomoed, Ve'amud Ha'am, the people will be far away, and the Kohanim will come close to the place of God, the Oel Mo'ed. How they should act when they are encamped, and when they, and when they have to carry the various kalim, the various vessels, Uma. Yaasu the Mishmarto Nakoma Alala Mikdash Vikavod Lo. And so the Ramban says, the Ramban says this. He says, so the book of Bamidbar is kind of a collection of, of Torah things, uh, some leftover material from the book of Ayikra. Uh, you have to watch over, you have to know about Tumah Vitara. That's in the book of Bamidbar. You have to know about uh, the fact that you can't come close. You can only go to a limit. And that somehow it's connected to Har Sinai. That's also in the book of Bamidbar. And finally he says, to Moshe Amru, I know Domeh Pol Terin Shemelech, Sheyesh Lo Shomrim, you can't compare a, a, a castle which is watched over by guards to a kind of a castle that has no, oh, a palterin could be like a, an entrance hall. That, that, you know, in other words, it, it's not because they were being attacked. It's not because you had to guard the oil moed from, the, but, but still there's a matter of kavod of honor. The honor is greater because there is a regiment of people who are protecting the Oel Moed. Kemosha Amru, 
אינה דומה פלטרין של מלך שיש לו שומרים לפלטרין שאין לו שומרים. So, there you have it, I mean, the, the, this book, this book is kind of um, a collection, uh, has a, in it a collection of various mitzvot or various kinds of obligations that are the result of building the mishkan and taking care of it. And the fact that when the punishment that B'nai Yisrael would have to spend the next 30, 38 years in the, in the desert, so they had to learn how to take it apart, how to put it together, how to, and where the, the the various tribes would be camped, would be camped. So, so the Ramban uh, deals with most of these things, right? And now he says he makes a new a new idea. You know, if I was publishing this Ramban, I'd put this in, I'd highlight it. Asefer hazeh kulo b'mitzvot Safer as I read it again. Safer as a you see it's underlined more or less. Safer as a kulobe is a strange phrase, and it relates to another Hebrew phrase called Hora'acha. Hora'acha Sha'a that means sometimes an obligation can be temporary. It's a mitzvah, but you're not going to do it forever. You're only going to do it for the time that you're in the desert. So that's what he says. It doesn't have what we call mitzvot, because what we call mitzvot are things that we're obligated to do. So even if the mitzvot today connected to the Beit HaMikdash, and the Beit HaMikdash, of course, doesn't exist, so we don't do those mitzvot, but nevertheless, we can yearn to do those mitzvot. We know that in the future, those mitzvot will be accomplished somehow, somehow or other. But there are mitzvot that were given to Moshe Rabbeinu. There are mitzvot that are given to Moshe Rabbeinu, and those mitzvot, those mitzvot will never be done after the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's how they were given originally. It was given only for that period of time when they're in the desert. So listen to the Ramban. He says, "Sefer Azekulo b'Mitzvot Sha'ah v'Nitztavu b'Hem b'Amdam b'Midbar." Mitzvot Sha'ah. There are mitzvot that were originally given, like uh, like uh, when the, the Jews were attacked by snakes. So Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to make a nachash uh, nechoshet copper kind of image of the Nachash and all the other ways. So that was a mitzvah. God told Moshe Rabbeinu to do it, but it's only going to be done for that moment, for the moment that the that the snakes are a problem. After the snakes go away, it's over. And then there's also Nisim Nasim Lahem, the miracles that were done, because the miracles are a good way of of explaining or understanding your position on emunah, on faith. Ki ma'aseh Hashem, asher imahem Right? These are the all things that God did to for B'nai Yisrael that are wondrous, that are wondrous, la'afli. V'si 
וסיפר כי יחל לתת אויביהם לפניהם, the end of the book of Bamidbar, it says that the enemies like Sichon and Og were beaten לפניהם לחרב. They, B'nai Yisrael, was able to go to war even on the eastern side of the Jordan, of the Jordan and to be victorious because God was supporting them. And then again in the book, in the parasha, we are, we are given to understand that the, that the uh, land is being divided up amongst, amongst the tribes. Amongst the tribes. Lahem ve'ein b'sefer hazem mitzvot nohagot lidorot. So there you have it. There are all sorts of directives in the book of Bamidbar, but the book of Bamidbar is special. The Ramban says because the directives are for now. They're immediate. And many of those directives are not going to be repeated after the Jews leave the desert. They're only for the desert. Zulatik tzad mitzvot u'b'nyenei ha-korbanot she'etchil b'hem m'sefer ha-kohanim. And the only ongoing mitzvot are the ones that are begun that the Torah began teaching us in the book of Ayikra, Velo Nishlam Beyuran Sham Vishliman Besefraze. So according to the Ramban, you say, what's the book of Babidbar about? I would say it's about being in the Midbar, being in the desert. That's what it's about. And it's different than the other books of the Torah different than the other books of the Torah because the other books of the Torah refer to ongoing obligations. Even the book of Breshit, which has stories in it, doesn't have any mitzvot in it really, but the stories are seen to be current. They apply to us now. Whereas the Ramban doesn't mention that about the stories of the book of Amidbar. Instead, what he says is, that a lot of the mitzvot, some of the mitzvot are sort of to finish off things that we didn't finish in the book of Ayikra. Okay, they don't define the book of Bamidbar. But there are other mitzvot that are given to B'nai Yisrael in the desert, and they apply to the stay of B'nai Yisrael in the, in the desert. And from those things we can learn, we can learn, uh, uh, we learn all kinds of things, but the, the Ramban, the Ramban is not faced by the fact that there doesn't seem to really be an over, overwhelming theme for the book of Bamidbar, for the book of Bamidbar. But when it comes to counting B'nai Yisrael, when it comes to counting B'nai Yisrael, he doesn't even mention it. He doesn't say, how come, how could it be that B'nai Yisrael are counted and that the numbers are written down. I mean, what possible purpose could there be in writing down there? He just leaves that out. It doesn't seem to concern him. It's 
as though the Ramban says, okay, so you have a little material that you don't really need. You could think about it, but and the Ramban doesn't say it. He doesn't say it here in his introduction where he covers everything in the book of Bamidbar. He does not relate to our question. Does not relate to our question. So it took uh, 600, 700 years until the Nitziv was willing to undertake the question and to deal with it at least in some way. Uh, we turn to the Nitziv, the next page. Uh, Ezra, Ezra, uh, there's. The Nitziv, you know, wrote a parish on the Chumash, wrote a parish on the Chumash, which is, uh, in my, to, to my mind, often very incisive and, and worthy of our consideration. The Nasib was the uh, Rosh Hashiva Volodian for many years. He was the one who closed it, actually, neither him or the Russians. You know, they wanted to force uh, general studies on the yeshiva and the Nitziv refused. At the beginning, he tried to fight it, but eventually he refused and closed the yeshiva. So every day in the yeshiva, I think after after davening, he would give a shear on, on the parish. It goes going pasuk by pasuk. Every day he would continue from yesterday's pasuk. And after a number of years, he had written this uh, commentary on the entire of the entire Chumash. So here, in the in the parsha Bamidbar, he starts out with a hakdama. He also wants to give an introduction. And he says, "Zeh sefer hanikav v'fiyatana rachanina ben Gamliel and sota daf Bamidvav." He says, "He says Chachamim had different names for the books." So in 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 Sota, Bamidbar is called Chumash Papikudim, the book of countings plural. There's another book, Halachot Kedolot, which also references the book of Bamidbar as Chumash Hapikudim. And the Bahag is a Gaonic work. So I don't know exactly if we know the dates, but we know the time, that's after the Amoraim, right? After the Amoraim. Benisham bedat raboteinu inyan shnei hapkudim sefer. So he says, the Chachamim looked at the book of Bamidbar, what did they see? They saw that the day Israel was counted twice. Once in our parish in Bamidbar, and the second time, B'nai Israel counted, the second time, they counted in the parish of Pinchas, right? Shnei hapkudim shebezah sefer. Yoter misharei b'devarim shemiyuchadim azbezah sefer. And that caught, caught the attention of Chachameh more than anything else in the book of Amidbar. More than anything else, we would say that the Ramban mentioned, right? Not about the Mishkan and not about uh, giving honor to 
the the Mishkan by having people watching over it and and all of those things and not the miracles of the desert and the mitzvot of of none, none of that. When the Chachamim went to name the book of Bamidra, give it a name, they said Pkudim. It's the book of the countings. More than the other things, which are special, right? They want to. Remember that the Miraglim, it's also discussed in the story. Yoshua, Kalev, they said what they said. The other Miraglim said something else. It's not, they didn't think that was the main thing in the book. That, that, that caused them to wander around in the desert for 38 years until everybody who left the tribe died, right? And, and this was not considered by Chachamim to be of great significance or not enough significance to call the name. Mishum de Ikaza Seferhu, because the main thing in this book, Ikar HaSefer Mishum, Ikar Seferhu, Machlif O Mishaneh, because the main thing in this book, or the main topic in this book, is machlif to change, mishanet to change, the way they went with Hashem in their lives in this world. So the people who, who got to Eretz Yisrael, according to the Nazim, were not the same people as those who received the Torah. They were two different groups of people. The way they went in the desert. In the desert. They were living in the world of Tiferet, of glory. Tiferet is the last of the Sfirot. Of the Sfirot, the, the ten Sfirot, the last one is Tiferet, one that connects us in the world that we live in to the possibility of a more spiritual kind of existence. So when they were at the Har Sinai, Sheba Midbar, which is continued in the Midbar, they were people of glory, of Tiferet. They went with Moshe Rabbeinu. Which Moshe Rabbeinu? The one who came down from Har Sinai. The one who brought God with him, so to speak. Right? And and Tiferet is Lemala Mehalichota Teva. Ubeeret Israel, on the other hand, those are the Jews who left Har Sinai, who received the Torah. But the Eretz Israel Al Hateva. They became closer to real, to nature. The Sitre Hashgachat Malchut Shamaim. 
Baruch Hu, Obor Hashem, Besitrei, in the hidden, the Hashkacha, the watchfulness of Malchut Shabbai, Bakodesh Baruch Hu, was, became hidden, hidden. So when they were in the desert, when they left Har Sinai, they were aware of the presence of God. That's called Tiferet, right? Shehu Ligamre Lemala Mehali Chotateva. When they came to Eretz Yisrael, they entered into the world of Teva. They started to fight. They had to go to war. This started in the desert, the 40th year after leaving Mitzrayim, Kemosha Biyanu Biparshat Chukat, Alpi Ze Hashinui, Nasem Milchamot Yisrael Bakrani Vim Sichon Bederchateva. And so you see at the end of the book of Bamidbar, there's a sliding, Bnei Yisrael slide into Teva, into nature, into what we call real, into the real world. So that prepares them for their job, for the job that they had to do in Eretz Israel. In Eretz Israel. So listen again. I'll try to summarize. The the Nitzim. The Nitzim said, I look around and I say, well, what did Chazal call this book? This book called Bamidbar. He says, well, they called it. They called it Pekudim. The book of countings. And so the Nisib said, well, well, it's true that, that they were counted twice, plural, in the book of Bamidbar. One in our parsha of Bamidbar, and the other time in the parsha of Pinchas. But why did that catch their eyes? Why did they think that that was so important? What's important about counting B'nai Yisrael twice in the same book when neither counting has any relevance to us? I mean, what difference does it make? That was then, and now is now. And now we don't have 600,000 Jews. We have more Baruch Hashem, but we don't have as many as we might have had. Okay, that's a topic for, for, for discussion. So he says, what happened? Why did the Torah include these two countings? So the, 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 uh, the chief says this. You have to understand that the people who went to Eretz Yisrael, went into Eretz Yisrael, were not exactly the same people who came away from Har Sinai with the Torah. Because the people who came to Eretz Yisrael, their job was to be involved with the real, with the real world, with nature, with, with, because they had to fight and reconstitute the nation, their own nation, within the context of real, of the real world. That that was the arrangement that God had proposed to Avram Avinu. You'll get it, but it's going to be, it, it'll take a little work and effort in the real world. Because the people who left the Eretz Israel, the people who left Har Sinai, who received the Torah through Moshe Rabbeinu, they were the people who were living in Tiferet, in a state of glory that connects you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu somehow. And so this change, this idea that B'nai Yisrael were not supposed to 
be totally connected all the time to Torah, that idea was affected when B'nai Yisrael were in the desert, moving from Har Sinai to moving Har Sinai to Eretz Kenan. And that movement demanded a change, and that change is represented according to the Nitzif by the counting. They counted them at the beginning in the parish of Bamidbar. They were counted because they represented a, an achievement. And they account, were counted again in the parish of Pinchas because they were being prepared for what they had, the obligation that they had accepted upon themselves. So I'm not sure. I would say I'm not sure that I've answered the question that I started with, which was, if I know how many people there are in each tribe, why do I need to know what the cumulative number is? Why does the Torah have to tell me about the 600,000 number? But you see that there is an important, there's some importance to the fact that Am Yisrael, in all the generations will be a, a unit. Even if the idea of the tribes comes to an end and the, and the tribes did come to an end. The Assyrians conquered, the Babylonians conquered, the, the Romans conquered, and they destroyed the notion of, 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 of the tribal setup of Am Yisrael. There was only, only the cumulative settlement. So if somebody would come along and say to me, isn't it true that Am Yisrael doesn't exist anymore? That the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel is not able to be as it was, to present itself as a nation of 12 tribes. I would say, yes, but there's a cumulative nation. There's an idea that if we claim to be part of Am Yisrael, and that's in our parish, in the parish of Bamidbar, that there's a cumulative accounting and not just a separate accounting, so that when the when things happen in history that change the nature of the deployment of the various tribes, Am Yisrael, the, 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 the collective uh, Am Yisrael still existed because we counted them together. We added it all up, 630, 630,000 people. Have a wonderful Shabbos. See you next week and Chag Sameach. Have a wonderful Shavuos. Don't stay up too much. Don't do anything too much. Too much, it loses its uh, potency. All the best.